What in the hell's going on? What the hell is going on? What the hell is going on? I don't know what the hell he's talking about. You don't have to know what the hell is on it. What the hell's the matter with these guys? We don't know what's going on. What the hell's going on? Who in God's name knows what it's all about? Hi, I'm Danielle Pletka. And I'm Mark Thiessen. Welcome to our podcast. What the hell is going on? Mark, what the hell is going on? Well, what the hell is going on is uh, corporate America and the Biden White House and everybody are piling on the state of Georgia because of the election law they just passed. The Major League Baseball and Joe Biden's urging has pulled the all-star game out of the state and moved it to Colorado, which is going to cost uh, not the state of Georgia, but the people of Georgia, small businesses in Georgia, African-American business owners in Georgia, you know, a total of $100 million in lost revenue. They're doing all this over a law that Washington Post fact checker Glenn Kessler, no conservative, no uh, right wing, uh, <laughs> rabid right winger, said uh, in a fact check that the net effect was to expand opportunities to vote for most Georgians, not limit them. So people are doing this out of a pinnacle of near perfect ignorance. They are hurting the people of Georgia all as in an exercise in virtue signaling. That is just absolutely appalling to me. I don't know, Danny, how do you feel about it? I don't think it's virtue signal. I actually think it's lying. And, you know, look, I'm no election law specialist. And so in preparation for this podcast, I sat down like you did, Mark, with a lot of articles, research, criticism, praise, fact checks, interviews with the governor, look at what other states are doing. And, you know, you cite Glenn Kessler from the Washington Post. The person who I looked to was, you know, Nate Cohn, who does this New York Times. for the New York Times. Now, you know, a fine contrast, I should add, with the absolutely fervid coverage in the on the both the front page and the New York Times op-ed page. And Nate Cohn, you know, says much the same thing that Kessler does. So, you know, let me just go over a couple of the points that he makes that I think are really interesting. He starts it out by saying, quote, there's nothing unusual about exaggeration in politics, unquote. Well, that is possibly the understatement of the year. He suggests that there's absolutely no way that people can know that this suppresses turnout. There's no evidence whatsoever historically that any of these factors either expand or suppress turnout. He says, and I'm just going to quote him, for decades, reformers have assumed that the way to increase turnout is to make voting easier. Yet surprisingly, expanding voting options to make it more convenient hasn't seemed to have a huge effect on turnout or electoral outcomes. There's essentially no evidence that the vast expansion of no excuse absentee mail voting in which anyone can apply for a mail absentee ballot had any discernible effect on turnout in 2020. Okay, guys, so here are some facts. And for me, sorry to sort of rant on about this, but for me, the most important thing to weigh is, is this an effort to actually suppress turnout? Or is it merely an effort to regulate voting? And it seems to me the balance falls absolutely on that question of regulation. But it's also, this law expands early voting. It added an extra Saturday vote, 17 days of early voting. 
the drop boxes. People forget drop boxes are a new innovation that started during the pandemic as a health measure. They wouldn't even exist because they were done under an emergency measure if they didn't pass a law mandating them. And now they've mandated drop boxes and done them in a way that's going to be safe and regulated. And one of the big issues with the, the mail-in ballots was signature matching. Well, signature matching is kind of a subjective thing. You have to look and say, does it look at that? Everybody's signature is the same every time. So what they said is you have to use uh, some kind of identification. You can put your driver's license number in or something else that, that's easier your, to check. Or your utility bill. Well, that's the thing, bill. yeah, that people say like that's uh, bad because a lot of people don't have driver's licenses. You can use your utility bill, a bank statement, a government check, a paycheck, right. another government document with your name and address on it, the last four digits of your social security number. Folks, this is not hard. This is not hard. And I okay. will tell you something, Danny, I know for a fact that if I showed up at Nationals Park for a baseball game and went up to the will call and said, I'm Mark Thiessen and I have tickets, you know what they're going to ask me? Show me an ID, <laughs> right? Oh, and, and let me and promise I, you. And I, if I said, you got to trust me, I'm Mark Thiessen, here's my utility bill. They would say, sorry, bud, you're not getting your tickets because we don't know it's you. But if you need an ID for something as unimportant as a baseball game, how much more so should you have an ID for something as important as the integrity of an election? I actually agree with that. And I think that most sensible people agree with that. I think part of the problem in addition, Mark, is that we're talking about a group of people that doesn't vote. So who are they focused on? Well, homeless people, they may not have a utility bill, they may not have a driver's license. And the answer is, first of all, you can get a state ID for free in Georgia, if you apply for one. But the bigger issue here is, we are not talking about a population that has a strong history of voting. This is the challenge here. And it is a yet another illustration of our inability to have a balanced, intelligent conversation anymore in American politics. And then here's but, the other thing that drives me yeah. crazy, Danny, is that there are all these corporations, in addition to Major League Baseball, that have come out to criticize the Georgia law. And if you put up a list of the companies that have criticized the Georgia law with the list of sponsors of the Beijing Olympics, there is a big overlap <laughs> in those two things. So China, which has no free elections, which is busy suppressing the democracy movement in Hong Kong, which is putting millions of, we just had Mike Waltz on the podcast, and you know they're, they're suppressing, uh, they're putting millions of Uyghurs in cattle cars and sending them to concentration camps. Oh, but it's okay, we can sponsor the Beijing Olympics. We can put money into the Chinese communist regime, but we should be boycotting the state of Georgia, which just expanded voting access. So Explain I have a me. little... I have a little data for you on this, which I think is, Ooh, is useful. So uh, we actually, and all thanks to Alexa and to our intern for doing this, we scrubbed the list of 200 companies that sent a letter protesting Georgia's new election laws. And 42 of those companies, so almost a quarter of those companies, do business with China. Let's go even further. That paragon of virtue, Major League Baseball, just expanded its agreement with Tencent Corporation, the owner of WeChat, those guys who are aiding and abetting the Chinese government's efforts to censor people. This is it's just, it's, the same week they signed the deal with Tencent, the same week that they pulled the All-Star game out of Georgia. So here's the tough question from my standpoint, and then I want to get to our guest. But I think one of the tough questions that we have to ask is as policymakers sitting in Washington trying to think about what sensible measures our government should engage in, what our companies should be doing, 
the question for me is, what should the conservative reaction to this be? You know, Mitch McConnell is frothing at the mouth. <laughs> Marco Rubio, Dan Crenshaw, you know, they've all come out. They've condemned Major League Baseball. They've condemned their hypocrisy. The Wall Street Journal editorial page has taken them to task. What's the right response for people who are outraged by this? It's a hard question. So I think Mitch McConnell's response was pretty straightforward, which is stay out of politics. Uh, you know, these people they should be not be weighing in on laws that they don't understand and don't know what they're talking about in an effort in virtue signaling. But the other thing I think uh, corporate America needs to be careful because the reality is the Republican Party has changed a lot. It's no longer the party of big business; it's the party of the working class and small business. And Joe Biden out, is out there right now saying we need to raise the corporate tax rate. And I guarantee you, a lot of these same corporations that are virtue signaling on the Georgia election law are suddenly going to be calling Mitch McConnell, asking for his help to stop Biden's corporate tax increase. And maybe Mitch McConnell ought to just tell them to go stick their complaints somewhere where the sun don't shine. Uh, because, you know, I'm sick and tired of bailing out corporate America. And I know it's not because of the corporations. We do it because those costs get passed on to consumers. And there's good economic reasons for not raising the corporate tax rate that have nothing to do with corporations and their alleged greed or whatever else like that. But I'm just sick and tired of corporate America sucking up to the left on stuff like this and then coming to the Republicans and asking for help when the Democrats want to ruin their bottom line. But enough about you, Mark, and me. Let's talk a little bit about our guest. Governor Brian Kemp is the governor of the state of Georgia. He's been the governor since January of 2019. He is a Republican. He was previously the Secretary of State of Georgia, so he knows a little bit about their election law. He was in that position from 2010 to 2018, and he was a member of the Georgia State Senate, and before that, a businessman. We're really lucky to have him because he's a busy fellow these days. Governor, I want to ask you a really basic question to start things off. Why did Georgia need a new election law? Well, listen, after the last cycle here, I mean, obviously the whole country was watching the runoff and there was a lot talked about, a lot of legislative hearings between the November election and the January runoff that was bringing to the light mechanical issues with the elections and other things that we really ran into in the 2020 cycle, obviously. The pandemic had a lot to do with that as well. We had a 351% increase in the number of absentee ballots by mail that we have. That created a, a real problem for county elections officials that are having to count all those ballots with a signature match process that, quite honestly, it's arbitrary in some ways and then also really cumbersome time-wise when you have not 5 to 10% of people voting absentee, but you know, 35 to 40 percent. And so we needed to fix that, which the voter ID requirement, I think, does two things. It further secures the ballot, but also it will speed the process up. Then you had other issues like the ballot drop boxes. They never have existed in, at least in recent Georgia-led voting laws, you know, dating back 15, 20 years or further. And when the public health state of emergency goes away, because it was an order of the state election board using emergency powers, the drop boxes would have gone away too. And, you know, the left is saying, oh, you're taking away drop boxes. We're actually adding them into the statute for the first time in recent memory and allowing and mandating, quite honestly, every county to have at least one, where the last election there were counties that didn't even have a drop box and put some consistency and security measures behind that. So, you know, if we hadn't have done this legislation, drop boxes would be 
a goner. You know, they wouldn't be used in the 2022 cycle or even the 21 cycle for some, you know, local races that we're going to have. Also, because of complaints of vote counting starting and stopping, creating a lot of doubt amongst voters, difficulty for those that are monitoring the election. The bill now mandates that county officials have to continuously tabulate the ballots until every vote is counted, solving that problem. The whole water issue that's gotten so out of control with people literally just lying about the ability for a voter to have a drink of water in line, they can absolutely do that. They can bring food and water. They can order a pizza. They can order Uber Eats. The county officials can provide a drink station for the voters within the 150-foot buffer of the precinct. And if it's, you know, if somebody's outside the precinct, they can offer food, drink, put campaign signs up, hand out literature. They just can't interfere with people when they're in the line to vote within the 150 feet. And that was an issue that the legislature felt very strongly about and addressed. And then we also added more opportunities for people to vote in Georgia. As you know, we have 17 days. We added an additional Saturday that people can vote in Georgia, and we have the option if a county elects to, they can have voting on either one or two Sundays, either or or both, that wasn't present before. That's now, uh, well, I guess there was an additional Sunday that we added. So we've added, actually added the opportunity for people to vote early in Georgia. And while the other side's saying that we're being restrictive and keeping people from voting, what actually the bill says is people will have more opportunities to do that. So, Governor, it seems like five minutes ago you were being hailed as the hero of democracy for standing up to Donald Trump and defending the integrity of Georgia's elections. And now you're suddenly the second coming of Jim Crow. What what happened? How'd you get so bad so fast? Well, well, I will tell you this. If you look at my record, I've been very consistent. You know, I was secretary of state for nine years and I've been governor for guess a little over two years now. And I've always said and believed that it should be easy to vote and hard to cheat and that we should have secure, accessible, fair elections in Georgia. And that is exactly what we have continued to do with this legislation. Historically, if you look back after big election years, especially this year with having a new voting system, there's always election cleanup bills that are worked on This is nothing new in Georgia. Just the focus that we're getting on it is certainly new. And if you look at my record, I've been, you know, I sued the Obama Justice Department so that we would have a citizenship check when you register people to vote in Georgia, but also implemented online voter registration that came out of an elections advisory committee that I created when I first got into office and had to, you know, took two years for legislation to pass to be able to do that. And I've worked very hard to keep our voter rolls secure. So my record is consistent. You know, people's views on my record have changed because it's very easy for the left and people like Stacey Abrams that are making a lot of money off of this, really off the lies that they're spreading about this bill. You know, it's easy for them to say I'm a racist and a voter suppressor. But if you look at the data and the numbers and the facts in this bill, that's just not true. You know, in reviewing all of the articles, all of the criticism, some of the praise, the one part of this bill I don't understand as well as others is the question of the state ability to take over local election offices. Why does the state need that? And don't you worry it may somehow diminish the rights of of local officials? Uh, No, I do. I do not. This is something that's been batted around for a a long time uh, here in Georgia. It's something the legislature actually felt very strongly about 
obviously, like it's been said by some, it's not going to change any results. It would be very short term if that ever were to happen. And it's much in line with other you know, processes that we have in the state of Georgia to do that on, I don't want to say similar things, but on other activities that are similar in many ways. A good example is local school boards. We've had local school boards in our state that have just not done what they're supposed to do, haven't followed the law. The governor has had to step in in the past or the legislature or whatever the process is to take over that school board, to, to appoint new members to that school board, basically to reset it and to keep those school systems from losing accreditation. And that's, in a nutshell, kind of how this would work with the counties. I personally believe it will be very seldom used, but it does hold the counties accountable to follow the law and the rules. And if they do that, you know, this is never going to happen to them. And at the end of the day, if it were to happen, it is going to be a temporary situation. Let me ask you about the uh, the MLB boycott. So, I mean, last time I checked, when I had to go to a Major League Baseball game to the will call, I had to show an ID to get my tickets at the will call. But apparently it's not OK to show an ID at, uh, in order to vote. How has that uh, that boycott impacted uh, Georgia residents and the people of Georgia? And also, how you know, they moved the game to Colorado. How do your election laws compare to Colorado? Well, this is the you know, really the height of hypocrisy with everything that's going on. If you look at New York, where Major League Baseball is headquartered, you have to have an excuse to vote absentee. In Georgia, you do not. Uh, We have at least seven days, potentially nine days more of early voting than New York does. Yet Major League Baseball is going to pull the game from us because they think this is a suppressive effort. I mean, obviously, the commissioner had no idea what this legislation did. I think they are going to pay the price for that. You compare us to Colorado, they only have 15 days of in-person early voting. We have 17. They have a photo ID requirement. We do as well for in-person voting. So a lot of similarities. Uh, There are differences, too, but that's what the Constitution says. The states decide how you do voting. I support that. They can do whatever they want in Colorado. But, you know, I'm not going to boycott them because they mail there, which I think is a terrible idea from a security perspective. And that's really what's so frustrating in all of this. It is literally the cancel culture. And it's also Joe Biden and the White House and a lot of these other people trying to build support for a national takeover of elections, which is unconstitutional with H.R. 1 or S.R. 1. I wanted to ask you about the involvement of the White House. Georgia was very important to the election of Joe Biden for reasons that we don't need to rehearse. Does Biden understand the little people, the the workers, the population of Atlanta is going to be hurt very badly by Major League Baseball's boycott, by all of these companies who are now threatening Georgia. Do you understand what the game is in his mind? Well, I certainly wouldn't be able to speak for what Joe Biden's thinking is on this issue. I mean, it's been, I mean, from somebody that's been a, you know, I've owned my own business since 19, gosh, about 1990, I guess. So I've had to make a lot of good and bad decisions, and I've learned from the bad ones more than the good ones. Certainly, you know, being Secretary of State, being Governor, you're making decisions all the time. And I know I try to get all the information before I make a decision, and I know what the facts are. It's obvious to me he did not have the facts on this bill. But I, I think, you know, if I had to guess, it's a couple of things. Number one, they're trying to get the votes to pass SR1 and HR1. They're trying to pressure people like Major League Baseball and these big corporations like Delta and Coca-Cola into saying that this is a racist bill. And because of this overreach at the states, then we've got to pass a 
federal mandate with HR1, SR1, have a nationalized election, and basically do an unconstitutional power grab. I, I think that's really the main political agenda, obviously, of a lot of people at the White House and obviously of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer as well. But the other thing is, I think they're diverting from crises that they have, you know, and a good example is the one on the border right now where people are just flooding across our southern border. And I, I've been to McAllen, Texas. We've got Georgia National Guard troops down there that are trying to help the Border Patrol. And it's just a drag. I got a briefing on that a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's a drastic change from when I was there in December saying hello to our troops before the holidays as to what's happening right now. So, Governor, let's talk a little bit about the hypocrisy of your critics. So if you look at a list of the companies that have uh, written to you expressing their outrage, outrage uh, over Georgia's, uh, you know, voter suppression laws, as they would call it, it seems like a lot of them are sponsoring the Beijing Olympics, (laughs) a country that has no free elections, that is actively suppressing the democracy movement in Hong Kong and taking people's right to vote away, not to mention putting Uyghurs in concentration camps and all the rest of it. Isn't there a level of hypocrisy here? Oh, it's like at the height of hypocrisy. And, I, you know, I'm thankful that you've got really high profile people like Senator Tom Cotton, Senator Rubio, Leader McConnell, you know, Governor Abbott and other people, especially the, the U.S. senators that are calling out the whole position on China with Major League Baseball and obviously other big corporations that are doing business there, but also with MLB and their ties to Cuba. I mean, it, it makes the average Georgian, Great point. it really doesn't pay attention to politics much, wonder, like, what are they thinking? Like, why are they punishing us, yet they are going to have a relationship with China where there are no elections, or if they are, you know, it's already predetermined who the winner's going to be. I mean, the more you hear about this, just the crazier it gets. I mean, in just for Joe Biden not to even realize what his own state election laws were. I saw some people tweeting the other day about when you go in to vote in Delaware, they call your name out so somebody could challenge you. Could you imagine if we had that in our bill? I mean, it'd be unreal. So what's the right next step? You know, obviously you're trying to explain, you're trying to speak truth to power and to the White House. I saw that the Georgia House has threatened to take away Delta's tax break. What's your approach going to be in future to these companies and to, you know, groups like Major League Baseball? Should conservatives think about this in terms of punishment or is that not the right way to go about it? Well, I can just tell you that we we have a lot of irons in the fire as to how to respond to this from a a business perspective. But listen, we have one of the best business environments in the country. We just had a great economic development announcement a couple of days ago with the Korean company that's going to be manufacturing parts for automobiles here in our state. And we continue to see our economy rebound. Our unemployment is below the national average. We've set records for investments and the number of jobs we've created in the first half of this year. So we got to continue to preach that message. But to me right now, the best thing I can do is continue to push back on this big lie and have a lot of these companies really realize that they have been hoodwinked, they have been hoodooed, and they need to either reverse course or just get in a bunker and try to ride this thing out. And we need people on the other side you know, the Democrats and a lot of these local elected officials where their local community is going to get hurt because of no fault of their own, but because of their national political leaders to speak out and say, look, we don't need boycotts here. 
we've got a political process. I respect that. And you can go back and look at my record over the years. You know, I haven't always agreed with other states are doing what they're doing with their election laws, whether it's, you know, Washington and Oregon, you know, mailing out ballots to everybody, much like Colorado does now, or California that I think at one time had, you know, same day voter registration, no citizenship check. I mean, I think those are terrible ideas for security of elections, but it's their right to do that. However, you know, I don't think other states or other people should be coming to Georgia and trying to tell us what we need to do down here. We've got a process that works. And as uh, a lot of people have said, you know, elections have consequences. We certainly saw that at the federal level here. But at the state level, our legislators won with strong majorities. And that majority is who worked on this bill, really doing the will of the people of our state so that we continue to have secure, accessible, fair elections and make it easy to vote and hard to cheat. And that's what this bill does. It creates more accessibility, but also better processes from what we learned in the last election and better security. Well, Governor, you know, the New York Times and the Washington Post both back you up on that. Uh, Glenn Kessler, who's the Washington Post fact checker, gave Joe Biden four Pinocchios for his description of the law and says the net effect is to expand opportunities for most Georgians, not limit them to vote. Uh, Nate Cohen said on balance, it's going to make voting easier because it expands the number of days of early voting, including weekend days that progressives covet. I mean, do these people not read the New York Times and the Washington Post? Well, like, like I always tell people. You know, I've never told anybody, I don't think, to go read the New York Times, but maybe I need to now. Uh, But all I can tell people is, look, I am telling you the truth. I have done over 50 interviews with anybody you can imagine, including a lot of predominantly African-American media. It's really just to get the truth out there and let people decide. And I can't make them believe me, but I can tell them the truth. And and I'm doing that. You know, Joe Biden and, and a lot of these other people are not. Do you think that Georgians, as Georgians, not Democrats or Republicans, are going to be so angry about this that this is actually going to end up hurting the Democrats in the next election there? Well, I'll just say this. You know, we have a long way to go before the next election. But this issue. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) This issue has galvanized Republicans, not only here, but all across the country, like I haven't seen in a long time. And, you know, you've got a array of different legislators in Georgia, you know, folks that are in metro districts that barely won races that uh, actually got more votes in their districts than President Trump did. And then you got legislators that are from some of our rural districts that are just hardcore, you know, as strong Trump voters as anywhere in the country. And they are all united behind this bill because they know what the truth is. And uh, they are mad as hell at Delta. Coca-Cola and Major League Baseball. I well, understand governor, why. Uh, I do too. And uh, I'm drinking Pepsi right now for what it's worth. Uh, well, it's amazing. I mean, I've had so many people. I mean, I had breakfast with somebody this morning and they were like, I drank my first Pepsi yesterday. I mean, they're just, <laughs> they're fed up. Well, Governor, we appreciate your leadership on this issue and we know how busy you are right now. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us. So he just said something that struck me that I hadn't even thought of because everybody's so focused on the Beijing Olympics. Major League Baseball's, you know, in bed with the Castro regime in Cuba. I remember when we were working for Senator Helms and they brought over like a Cuban team to play against the Baltimore Orioles. They want to play games down in, in Havana and all this stuff. Baseball is in bed with two of the most repressive regimes on the face of the earth. And they have the gall, the gall to say that Georgia is unfit. They, they'll play in Havana. 
but they won't play in Atlanta. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, no, look, that's ridiculous. But I mean, I, I guess the only thing that I would say about this is what critics are exploiting is Georgia's history, right? Critics are basically looking backwards and saying that in a state that embraced Jim Crow, in a state in which Black Americans had a very hard time voting, they need to be doubly sensitive to questions of voter suppression. And you know what I got to say? I think that's absolutely right. I think that's perfectly, that is a totally legitimate demand to make. What I don't think is that it is therefore right to lie about or to twist what Georgia's law does. And the only place where I really didn't feel like I got a slam dunk of an answer from the governor was on this question of state and local interference. I don't really get that. My bet is it won't make a big difference. But I guess I haven't seen great explications of why they need to do that. This law it may not be perfect. No, no election law is perfect. But I'll tell you what, it expands voting access. It doesn't restrict voting access. It expands the number of days. There are not going to be two Saturdays required of in-person voting. The voter ID requirements, if anything, are watered down because you can use your utility bill. You can use anything to show. It makes the decisions over absentee and mail-in ballots less subjective because instead of a signature match, it uses uh, uh, some sort of ID. I mean, all of these things are making voting more accessible and more secure. And the reality is the people of Georgia elected these people to run their state and they passed this law. And if the people of Georgia don't like it, then they can change the, the people who run the state of Georgia. But it's not the place of Major League Baseball or corporate America or Joe Biden to go in and lie about what one number one lie about what the law does. And again, don't take my word for it. Take Glenn Kessler at the Washington Post for Pinocchio's for Joe Biden on his description of this law. You know, if you care so much about African-Americans, who's going to bear the brunt of the boycott? Whose businesses are not going to get $100 million that was going to pour into the Georgia economy? Uh, it's not going to hurt Brian Kemp. It's not going to hurt uh, you know, the legislatures who passed it. It's going to hurt individuals who are counting on that, the hot dog vendors, the local bars and businesses. And by the way, lost the opportunity to celebrate the life and legacy of Hank Aaron in his hometown during this. So this is just, it's, it's a perfect confluence of ignorance and virtue signaling and, and, and everything that's wrong and partisanship in a perfect swirl of just atrocious politics. I'm just disgusted by the whole thing. Listen, you know what the bottom line here is? is it's just another sort of depressing nail in the coffin of our normal political discourse. We can't talk about anything anymore. And I'm really glad the governor was willing to come on and answer questions. And uh, I, if you guys have further questions for us, don't hesitate to, to reach out, you know, yell at Mark. Tell me how great I am. And obviously compliment Alexa. Has anyone ever so done much. that? Yeah, they do. They do <laughs> have you ever got an email saying how great you are because of that? Yes. Because yes, despite the fact that you beg for it every podcast? Yes. I, in <laughs> fact, Mark Thiessen, I have. So there. Don't forget to review, subscribe, send it to your friends, your enemies, your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, and all your cousins. Take care. Our producer is Alexa Santry, and a special thanks as well to Olivia Leslie and AEI's digital strategy and video teams. Let us know what topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing us at whatthehell at AEI.org. Or you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at D Pletka. And I'm at Mark Thiessen. That's Mark with a C. Please rate and review the podcast. If you like the show, subscribe, share it. 
comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. Thanks for listening. 